today's episode of Real People, Real God, Misu and Lindsay continue their Through the Bible character series with the story of Abram. They'll look at the early stages of God's calling and covenant with Abram. Hi, this is Misu. And this is Lindsay. Welcome back, everyone. So we're glad you could join us today. Lindsay, how's your day going? It's first thing in the morning for me, Misu, and I don't know if you know this about me, but <laughs> I am not a morning I person. I do, I do not enjoy the morning. So I'm what you might call person. a little bit cranky first thing in the morning, <laughs> but I'm hoping that the, you know, talking about the oh, Bible and just yeah. having a chat with you might perk me up a little bit this morning. Okay. So how are you doing? That's I know it's good. early. It's even earlier on your side of the world, but how yeah. are you doing this morning? I'm good because I'm that perky morning person that you people hate. People. So <laughs> I know you're like that Garfield thing going on uh. over there, but I'm good. Good. I I only had one cup cup of coffee and I'm already good. So well, good for yeah, you. Let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get into this this let's podcast and hopefully that'll go. wake me up and perk me up a little bit this morning. So I I think it will. I love this series and I'm learning a lot and having a lot of fun. So it is fun. I think it'll get me going today. Um, today we're going to talk about the story of Abraham, but really we're going to talk about Abram because we're going to talk right. about his life before he was renamed by God. So there is yeah. a lot to cover with Abraham's life. He's got a, a lot of story and. And yeah. because of that, and because because we feel like he's such an important character in the Old Testament, you and I have decided we're going to actually do two or three podcasts on Abraham, um, just to yeah. cover everything really well. So this week, we're going to talk about the beginning of his story, when God called Abram. And Abram, if you guys might remember from last week, the end of our, or last episode, the end of our podcast, um, he comes from the line of Noah and from one of Noah's sons whom Noah blessed, which was his son Shem. So Abram comes down several generations after Shem is where we get to Abram. And Misu, why don't you get our story going by telling us what the real people were doing at the beginning of this story? Real Abram and his real family, what were they doing? Well, we know from Genesis eleven thirty one that Abram's father, Tiberah, uh, was leaving the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, and he had left there to go to Canaan. And he had taken with him Abram, Abram's wife, Sarai, and Terah's grandson, Lot. And then we find out they had settled in a city called Haran. And all of a sudden, then in Genesis 12, 1, we see the Lord speaking to Abram, and it says, The Lord had said, past tense, to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I show you. So it seems from that scripture that it was actually the Lord's prompting before that had sent Terah, Abram's father, and that whole household on the move in the first place. So hmm. Genesis 12, 1 seems to be a second call from God that actually at that point then sent Abram, Sarai, and Lot moving away from his father, Terah, who stayed in Haran. Hmm. And at that point, um, Terah was 145 years old. So Abram had a very difficult um, yeah. choice to make of leaving his really aging father and I just, can you imagine how hard that is? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like they had planes, trains, and automobiles, and internet, and Skype, and right. you know, all that. 
Right. It was probably the last time he would see his father. And so that mm. was the very difficult choice God was asking Abram to make there. And, um, and he made it. He did it. Mm. So, mm. Lindsay, why don't you talk to us a little bit about why our very real God would ask very real people with real emotions, real turmoil to make that kind of a decision? Why would he do that, do you think? Hmm. Well, we talk about our God wants to reveal himself to us and relate to us. And I think here, one of the things that our real God is revealing is that he's a good God and a God who who blesses and who blesses greatly and extends great blessings. So the call of Abram actually is very interesting in what it says in Genesis 12, two through three. God says to Abram, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And that is a lot of blessing, a lot of blessing in a call on someone's life. So I think God's revealing he is a good God, a God of blessing. He promises blessing for Abram as well as many other people through Abram. And that's really interesting. You know, in, in the story of Adam and Eve and in the story of Noah, we saw God blessing them. He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And he added a few other little things for each for each of them, for Adam and Eve and for Noah. But he gave them this blessing, be fruitful, multiply cover the earth and fill it. But here with Abram, he not only extends this blessing to Abram, he says, I will bless you. You will be a blessing. And through you, all peoples on earth will be blessed. And I was just struck by the extent. This is a far reaching blessing that God is promising in the call on Abram's life. And you know what else? I, I, it struck me. It's not as though the real people deserve this blessing. It's not as though Mm -hmm. Abram or all the people God's going to bless through him deserve this. You know, what's happened in between the story of Noah and Abram, which we didn't talk about on our podcast, but me, so I think you wrote about it on your blog. Um, in between those two stories is the story of the tower of Babel, where you've got all these hooligans running around trying to build a city to the heavens because they want to make a name for themselves and they want to they want to set out to yeah make a name for themselves and God has to thwart them in that so the real people are not all of a sudden so great that God says you all deserve a great blessing for generations and generations no this is just simply our real God chooses to extend a blessing through Abram to all the peoples on the earth. And that I think is, is an astounding thing about our real God that we need to take note of. So that's, that's kind of what I think our real God is doing through this call. Um, Misu, why don't you tell us next, what happens when our real God calls Abram? What does this real man do? Give us kind of a rundown of some of the events that take place next in Abram's story. Well, first of all, he obeys. So hooray for Abram, right? Yeah, okay, hooray yay. for Abram. All right, yay. An <laughs> obedient story. Okay, Real here people. we go. So Abraham, or Abram takes his wife um, and his nephew Lot. He takes all the possessions they've accumulated in Haran and the people they've acquired in Haran, and they set out for this new land that God's going to show him. When they finally arrive in Canaan, Abram, like Noah, he builds an altar to the Lord in Shechem. Shechem's mm. the first altar. Mm-hmm. And God then confirms his covenant. He reaffirms in verses six through eight what he had told what he had told Abram in the first place. He again says, I'm gonna give you this land, I'm gonna give you this land. 
So then Abram travels around some more, says, hey, you know, let's look at this land that's someday going to be, you know, belong to us, belong to my family. So he travels around some more and lo and behold, hey, we get to Bethel and I and he builds another altar to the Lord. That's verses eight and nine. Yeah, so, that's what, this guy's just going cool. around building altars, isn't he? Like, yeah, he, I love that's, it. that's a really, you know, I think that's an interesting thing to mention, because remember when we talked about Noah last time and we said he got off the ark and he had this opportunity to relate to God when when he got mm-hmm. off the ark and and he kind of squandered it. You know, we know that he, he right. did build an altar like the first thing after he got off the ark. But then we talked about him getting drunk. We talked about what he probably expected from working the ground or an easier life. He was focused on his circumstances and more concerned Mm -hmm. with that than with just continuing to relate to, to our real God. He had an opportunity for that, but he kind of squandered it. But here we see Abram, you know, you just talked about, you know, bing, bang, boom. He, he, he's been given a promise. He travels around through the land. He builds an altar. He goes, he builds another altar. We see him taking, you know, he's, he's uprooted from his homeland and father and he's roaming around. And yet he, takes regular opportunities to come before the Lord, to relate to our real God, intentional relating. I think this is going to be a crucial part of Abram's story, this intentional relating to God. That's, that was a thread that we will see throughout his life as we keep talking. And it's important thing for us to think about too, that kind of the opportunity we have to regularly and intentionally relate to God is, is an important part of our lives. What do you think is building an altar in our in our culture today? You know, I was what, just thinking something you... like that. What would be something yeah. similar? Um, I don't know. Like for me, sometimes it's taking a moment to um, just sit down in maybe silence and solitude, and like you know, escape mm-hmm. from from work or from my regular life for a little while, and just pray mm-hmm. or sing praises or reflect on things with God for a little while, and and reflect on where He's brought me, uh, what He's brought me out of, or, or what He's done for me thus far, and thank Him for that maybe write it down in a journal or even just to sit and yeah. praise him or to sit and yeah. bring before him my heart if if something is currently troubling me but so i think something about it for me you know building an altar quote unquote it's i'm not really building an altar but i'm i'm taking i'm setting apart a time and a space mm-hmm. for god in my heart and in my regular day which is kind of like setting apart a space and building an altar yeah. there as holy so i don't know what do you think what what about for you what would be kind of building an altar in your life I, you know, I, I don't, I, I think it may be different for everybody, but yeah. I think whatever it is, it would need to involve some sort of sacrifice, okay. some sort of effort, some mm-hmm. sort of time, um, some sort of departure from a, a regular schedule, like you're saying, set yeah. aside, you know, something that's different um, from the regular mundane every moment of my day. So, yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think that's something sacrificial something that takes effort and time and those things that you're saying you know stepping out of the dailiness Mm -hmm. um yeah so i yeah i think that's a great point um yeah that's important for us to think about mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah definitely and so i i think sometimes i get the impression that well if i'm doing all of those things that i'm supposed to be doing to relate to god to keep god in the center of my life 
then everything's going to go well. But we don't see that with, with Abram. Yeah, what and do we honestly, see? Honestly, <laughs> we don't see that in our lives either. I mean, right. because the next thing we see happen to Abram is that famine hits the land of Canaan. Great. The very land that he's been <laughs> promised as a blessing by God. So mm-hmm. uh, that's not, you know, that that's a faulty uh that that's just faulty reasoning it doesn't it doesn't make sense that when we live in a fallen creation that everything is going to go well even if we are obedient it just mm-hmm. doesn't work that way so in the midst of this famine abram takes his whole household down to egypt where they of course, always have great stuff down in Egypt, right? <laughs> that's where we go so, when there's a um, famine, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's where everybody goes when there's a famine in the in the land of Canaan. So mm-hmm. he takes his household down there, and then he lies to Pharaoh, saying that Sarai is his sister. Well, it's sort of true, according to Genesis twenty twelve. He's she's sort of his sister, but here's the rub: Pharaoh thinks she's really gorgeous, and mm. which is kind of interesting. It, age, whatever, she would be about 65 going on 70 at this point. She is so beautiful that Pharaoh takes her into his household. And here's the question of the day. What if he had actually made Sarah his wife, Sarai at this point, because her name hasn't been changed Mm -hmm. either. What if he had actually slept with her and she had conceived? Hmm. That would have been an issue, right? Mm -hmm. So when he Pharaoh takes her into his household and and really in all ways except sleeping with her makes her his wife he gives Abram sheep and cattle male and female donkeys men servants and maid servants and camels and Abram says thank you very much I'll take those <laughs> and then God afflicts the Egyptians with serious diseases that's what scripture tells us <laughs> then somehow I don't know how the Bible doesn't tell us, but God somehow reveals to Pharaoh and his household that Abraham is lying or that Abram is lying. And Sarai is not his sister, but she is his wife. And mm. so Pharaoh says to Abram, what have you done? Why didn't you tell me she's your wife? And Abram is allowed to leave, get this, with all the gifts that mm. Pharaoh gave him, all the livestock, all the wealth, all the men, servants, maid servants. And don't you just wonder if that's where Abram and Sarai picked up Hagar, maidservant? Hmm. Yeah, she's going to show up later in our story, right? (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about her later, not right now. See, I'm getting ahead of the story, too. (laughs) Well, yeah. Don't you wonder? Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that interesting that she may have come out of Abram's lying? Yeah, well, and just and that the whole decision. Yeah, going down to Egypt in this whole little part of the story is so interesting, and that they come away mm-hmm. from it with all this wealth, all this yeah. livestock, all this wealth, extra servants, extra God still people. Blesses. Yeah, and it yep. seems like seems like this is part of the blessing. You know, God promised, "I will bless mm-hmm. you. I will make you into a great yep. nation." And it sort of seems like this is the beginning of of some of that blessing that God was talking about. Though it's really kind of a funny way to be blessed, don't you think? I it mean, is. running away it from is. the land you were called to because there's a famine yeah. lying about your wife and this this whole yeah. extra thing happening that's kind of a funny way to go about getting a blessing and you know that whole part of the promise 
and through you, I will bless all other peoples. You know, it doesn't really seem yeah. like he was much of a blessing to, to the Egyptians in no, this story. No, the Egyptians yeah. were not feeling blessed. They were afflicted no. with diseases. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he wasn't, that that blessing wasn't extending yet in this story. So I wonder if, if this was, you know, this wealth and not stuff was yet. part of our real God's blessing to Abram. You know, he was certainly blessed with some wealth, but, but maybe God's yeah. promise of blessing was about a little bit more than that, you know, blessing to yeah. others. So I think, I don't know, I guess we'll see what God's blessing entails. But maybe this is, you know, part of God blessing him and building him up. And then God's going to continue to to do other things with with the promise of that blessing. So anyways, what does well, and Abram do next? Here's, what, how does the story continue? Well, here's here's kind of an interesting twist to that blessing. All of that blessing that they get while they're in Egypt actually kind of turns into not so much of a blessing. Oh. Because it really starts to, to cause some tension between Abram's servants and Lot's servants. And so the two servants can't get along or the two sets of (laughs) servants can't get along and they begin to quarrel because there's just not enough land now to support such a large single household. And so Abram goes to his nephew Lot and says, I think we need to divide our camps. And Abram says, okay, Lot, you know, you look to the east and the west, you decide which way you go. Do you want the fertile, nice land over here? Do you want the, you know, the not so nice land over here? And of course, Lot being a little younger, seeming a little entitled says, oh, of course, I want that really nice land over there. And so Lot takes the really fertile, nice land. And, you know, don't you have to wonder about the cursed ground thing? You know, we've talked about that in almost every podcast, this whole cursed ground thing that really was a chip on Cain's shoulder. And we've seen that have um, sort of consequences in each of the stories we've talked about. And I have to wonder if Abram didn't sort of feel like, really, you know, really, you're going to take the best ground here. And he could have really become disheartened at this Mm -hmm. point um, with some of the things that have been happening, even though, yes, he's been blessed with wealth. This has not been an easy go. It really hasn't. The blessing that God has said, yes, the wealth has been there, but this has been a hard thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so what do we see real God, our real God do? He steps in, in Genesis 13, 12 through 15, to reaffirm the covenant that he made with Abram. And he says this, Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Now, did Abram know that? I don't know. We don't know. But the Lord did. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west, all the land, all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Yeah. I just, I love that he steps in and he just, he reaffirms that he, he doesn't, he just does it for, for Abram. He does it on Abram's behalf when things are hard without even, you know, being asked, he just steps in and says, but wait a minute. I've, I've got you and I made a promise to you and I'm going to keep, keep my promise to you. And that's just a man, our real God, so gracious, so kind. So like, 
He just knew what Abram needed at that point. Mm-hmm. I just love how he stepped in at that moment. Mm-hmm. So tell us how our story continues with Abram now, Lindsay. Yeah, so Lot has taken the good land, and Abram's got to settle in a different part. So um, he moves his camp to Hebron, and when he gets there, what do you think he does? He just moved to a new place. Oh, I love it. What do you think he does? He builds another altar. You got it. He builds another altar. Oh, if only I would do, I would build an altar anytime I move around and do new things. Uh That would be so Uh great, I'm sure, for my life. Um, But yeah, he builds another altar. He seeks the Lord. He relates to the Lord again. And here we just, we see this pattern of relationship. Abraham is just Abram, now he's not even Abraham yet, Abram is regularly seeking the Lord. And it doesn't matter, you know, his darkest moments, moments when he's questioning God, moments when he's feeling joyful or blessed, he builds an altar. And what a great lesson for us, whether your life is great, build an altar, whatever that means. Maybe we could just say, praise the Lord or seek the Lord. You know, whether Mm -hmm. your life is great, seek the Lord. Whether your life is in the pits, seek the Lord. (laughs) Um, It's just taking the specific step to relate to our real God. And we know that's one of the things that our real God values. That's what we've been talking about. He wants to relate to us. He values relationships. So even though when you're reading the story of Abram, these, these verses about building an altar might just flicker right past you in a flash. I can just read right through some of those. But I do think it's important to stop and notice those things aren't to be taken lightly. That regular building an altar, coming to the Lord, is an important part. What's what's a great way to make your readers remember something you want them to remember, Misu? Or what's a what's oh, a great repetition. way repetition? You got repetition. it. What's a great way for a preacher to make sure his listeners get a point? Repetition. And we've yep. seen this theme repeated a number of times already in just the beginning of Abram's story. His repetitive altar building, I think, is an important thing for us. So yep. um yeah, so he moves on to Hebron, he builds an altar there. Way to go, Abram. Uh, what do we see? What what happens next then after he settles there for a while? What happens with our real people? Do we see any more promised blessing coming or what's happening with them? You know, bless his heart. Um, that <laughs> lot, he just got himself into some trouble down bless there. Bless his heart. And yeah, bless his heart. And the, the Sodom and Gomorrah, they get into this war with some other guys and they just get taken prisoner. And so Abram has to swoop in and rescue the whole bunch of them. Mm. And so two kings show their gratitude to Abram for rescuing those folks. And the first one is the the king of Salem. Later, that city becomes Jerusalem. Mm. Um, But Mm. for now, it's just Salem. And the king of Salem is named Melchizedek. He's later likened to Christ in the New Testament because This Melchizedek, his name means the king of righteousness. He is the priest of the Most High God. Mm. Abram receives bread and wine, also symbolic, from him. And then Abram gives him a tithe of all his wealth, or a tenth of all of his wealth. So we see this this character pop up in the Old Testament. He has no lineage. We know nothing about him. He's he's just kind of this this character that... um, Abram respects deeply because he is a priest of the Most High God, and, mm-hmm. and he just shows up, and and Abram treats him well and and honors him as he ought to. On the other hand, the second king is the king of Sodom, and he tries to kind of buy Abram's respect and and tries to give him lots of of material gifts, 
And Abram categorically refuses to take any gifts from him. Hmm. Um, and, and so we see Abram kind of figuring it out finally, what it means to have a blessing and be a blessing and yeah. be blessed. Maybe after he got God. all those things from Egypt and, you know, then a lot of things didn't turn out so well for him. Maybe he was I, a little yeah. less quick to be like, I'll take all your gifts. Great. Wonderful. You know, maybe he's figuring it out a little bit, maybe a little less quick to say, I'll take all the gifts and livestock and wealth and people yeah. that you want to give me. That's, that's interesting. An interesting turn it kind is. of. It mm-hmm. is. It, it kind of is a turning point here, I think for Abram. Mm. And so, all right. So tell us now, Lindsay, what, what is at this point after Abram has kind of the lights gone on a little bit, he has another interaction with God as the next thing we see happening. And Tell us a little bit about this interaction. Yeah, man, I love in the story of Abram that we just get to see so many conversations with God, more than Uh almost anybody else. Um, Moses, David, people like that. But Abram has so many conversations with God and that we get to read about them. And that is just for our benefit. Oh, that's so great. So so the next thing that happens after this whole scene with those kings um, is is the Lord initiates kind of a conversation or an interaction with Abram. and. And God appears to Abram in a dream and says to him, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Um, you know, he's just, he's just turned down this, this blessing or this, you know, wealth from somebody else. And, and the Lord just comes to him and says, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. Um, and Abram, our totally real guy, he he takes this opportunity to to push back a little bit, to to engage God. You know, unlike Cain, we talked about in the story of Cain, Cain yeah. had an opportunity to express concern or upset or doubt or questions or, you know, he had an opportunity to engage our real God with some of those things. But he remained silent. He did not talk yeah. to God about those things. Um Unlike him, Abram in this moment actually engages God here. He lifts up a real question, a real doubt and like concern, a few of them. Um, In Genesis 15, verses 2 through 7, we have this conversation. Abram says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? The Lord said, I will be your shield, your very great reward. Abram says, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my, my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. But then our real God speaks to him, and the word of the Lord came to him and says, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So he's promising now a son, an offspring. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. he, and it says getting the Lord, specific. yep, he's getting very specific about this blessing. You will have a son, your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then he takes him outside to further promises. He took him outside and says, look up at the sky, count the stars. If indeed you can count them, so shall your offspring be. So he's getting more specific about this, this blessing and this yep. promise. So you're going to have offspring. Um, and here is where it says in a eight, bunch, a bunch more than you can count. You're, you, remember I said, <laughs> yeah. I promised you I'll make you into a great nation. That will be a blessing. Here we go. I'm telling you a little bit more about how that's going to be. Maybe not just material wealth from all the surrounding Kings, yeah. but maybe a little bit, something else offspring. Right. Um, and it says here, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. That's the verse that's referenced later on in the new Testament. I think Abram believed the yeah, Lord sure. and he credited it to him as righteousness. So here, you know, 
Abram, man, we see him regularly connecting with the Lord and regularly seeking the Lord. And maybe that's part of the reason why now he's able to express this trust in our real God. He's been seeking him all along. So when God says, your blessing is going to come through an offspring, which later we'll talk about, it's kind of crazy maybe because... Abram's old, but like, this is, this is offspring, but Abram believed the Lord. He trusted the Lord here. Um, And the Lord continues on to say, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and I will give you this land to take possession of it. So he's talking about, here's what your blessing offspring and giving you this land. This is what, um, this is what your blessing is going to be like. And so I, it's just just such an interesting blessing God gives here, and um, our real God makes this promise to him. Abram believes him and trusts him, but then also he comes back with another question and another kind of request, um, another doubt. But but maybe it's it's less of a doubt and more like a request. He comes back and he says, "Oh sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it?" How can I know that I will gain possession of it? And I think sometimes, even when we believe God, um, we believe and we trust him, but we still need kind of something tangible and something understandable that, that we can, that we can Mm -hmm. grasp onto. How can I know God? Um, So our real guy is just being very real in this moment with our real God. And he's, he's asking real questions from his heart. He's expressing real doubt and concern. And apparently our real God knew that he was feeling these things. Our real God initiated this interaction. Do not be afraid, Abram, (laughs) do not be afraid. And so I, I just see in this, in this section here, our real God knows how we feel. He knows how Abram feels. Our real God is ready to relate to us there where we feel things and reveal himself to us there. And so I love this interaction, this conversation between real Abram yeah. and real God. Yeah. Um, so Misu, tell us about how, how does our real God reveal himself? You know, Abram says, okay, I believe you, but can I have a sign? Can I have an assurance? How will I know that I will take possession of this land? What is what does our real God do in response to that request from Abram? Well, I love I love the fact that you know we know Abram believed because uh, several times in Scripture it was so pleasing to the Lord, and and that is pointed out time and time again. So it was it, he did believe, and yet he still said. Sovereign Lord, how can I be sure? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I know? And I, I think there is that element of I just need something I can see, feel, taste, touch, or yeah. smell. Something yeah. on this earth that I can understand in my world, in, in this world that I mm-hmm. live in. And and so I think because God knows that about us, you know, I mean, he obviously knows that about us. He sent us Jesus, right? Yeah. Who who humanly is exactly what we needed to see as humans to, 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 um, look to him and, and know that he related to everything we felt. Um, and so in Abraham's culture, God decided, okay, I'm going to cut a covenant with you because Abraham as a man, uh, who lived among a foreign people would have made covenants with the people that, Mm he lived on their land, he would have made a contract or a covenant with someone Mm -hmm. to live on their land, to use their wells, to buy goats, Mm -hmm. to buy, you know, so he would have been familiar with what it meant to cut a covenant with, with other men. 
So uh, to cut a covenant, God said, uh, go get me some, some animals. And so in 15, Genesis 15, 9, God told him, go, go find a heifer, a goat, a ram, each of them three years old, a dove and a young pigeon. So Abram went and did that. And he, in Abram's mind, he would have said, oh, okay, God's going to cut a covenant mm-hmm. with me. So then, then he told Abraham, Abram, okay, cut, cut the animals in half, not the, not the birds, but the, the bigger mm-hmm. animals, and then position them opposite each other. And when he did that, Abram would have been familiar with the fact that when he, when he arranged them opposite each other, it would have, it would have, um, created what's, what they called a corridor of blood. Mm. So there would have been a, a, a bloody alleyway between the, the halves of the animals. Yeah. And so in a normal covenant, the two men who are making their covenant with each other, they would have walked between that corridor of blood mm. And they would have gotten their feet muddy with blood. So they would have had, yeah, I know, how gross, right? (laughs) Right. So when they walked through that bloody corridor, then when they walked on into the dust or Mm. into the grass, they would have left bloody footprints. Mm. And this covenant then signified they would vow unto death that they would keep that covenant with each other. And that meant that if either of them broke the covenant, whoever broke it would forfeit his life. That was how serious cutting a covenant was. Mm. Now, once Abram cut those animals, the covenant was ready to be made. But but God didn't make it right away. He waited. And because of that, birds of prey came down and tried to eat on the the animals. And Abram had to shoo them Mm. away until it was sunset and Abram was so exhausted from all that work. Now, listen, a three-year-old heifer is not a small animal. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of work to get this done, Mm -hmm. right? So he was exhausted. He fell asleep at sunset. And while Abram slept and he couldn't contribute anything to this Mm -hmm. covenant while he's sleeping, right? Mm -hmm. The Lord gave very specific details about the covenant he was making. And this is what he's basically, these are the pieces of the covenant God was saying to Abram. Number one, your descendants will be strangers in a land not their own. They will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. God would punish that nation where they served as Mm. slaves. Afterward, they would come out with great possessions. You, Abram, would go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. And in the fourth generation, your descendants would come back after being enslaved come back to this land and possess it. Mm. He was telling Abram while he was snoozing <laughs> exactly how his his descendants that he had just promised mm-hmm. him would actually come into possession of that wow. land where he was sleeping. And then after giving those specific details, God himself, only God, not Abram, only God walked through that corridor of blood in a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch. Mm. Only God. Wow. And by doing that, he was making an unconditional covenant, meaning no matter which party broke the covenant, yeah. Abram or God, which we know God's not going to break it, no matter which party broke that covenant, God must pay with his blood. Mm. Let that sink in a minute. Yeah. That's that's the kind of covenant our God makes. <laughs> 
when you fail, so when I God don't fail. <laughs> and so when, when man fails in the covenants, God must pay with his mm-hmm. blood. Do you see that Jesus Christ, yeah. his death warrant was so- signed mm-hmm. when that fire pot and that, okay. Oh, I just get so excited about that. All right. So here's the other thing. Back in Genesis 3.15, mm-hmm. remember that scripture where God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Hmm. That also, remember that one? That was also a foreshadowing of the death of Christ Hmm. in chapter 3 of Genesis. Now we're in chapter 15 of Genesis and we see another foreshadowing of the death of Jesus Christ. Okay, now think, okay, I'm going to jump around again. Exodus 14, when the children of Israel are escaping from Pharaoh at the Red Sea. Remember how the waters parted? Mm-hmm. Those Israelites, and this is, at the, is, this is in the middle of the fulfillment of God's covenant, yeah. right? They've just served those 400 years in slavery, right. and it's, they're, they're leaving. So that's fulfillment of this covenant, part of it. They're leaving. They're, they're running through a corridor. And what are they being led by? A pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Mm. Can you see the smoking pot and blazing yeah. torch and the corridor? Isn't that mm-hmm. awesome? Don't you love? I mean, God is such a great writer, yes. is he not? I mean, do you yes. love? I love. He's such a great writer. Yeah. Now we don't know how. We don't, we don't know when when Abram woke up, and how did he? know that there was a smoking fire pot and blazing torch. I I don't know when he woke up or what he saw or what he didn't see. How, how does he know what God said? But I, I do know this, this story was passed down to bless future generations. Mm -hmm. This story is part of the blessing to all generations. Yeah. And I just love it. I get so excited about it. Yeah, all right. God, I think that's all. I, yeah, I think I think that's a great place to end with Abram's part of yeah. his story for today is with our God who makes that kind of covenant with us, who makes that mm-hmm. kind of an unconditional covenant. You go to sleep. I will walk through the corridor yeah. of blood and I yeah. will seal this for you. OK, you you go over oh. there. And and in response to Abram's questions and doubts and also his mm-hmm. like, I believe you, but I need a sign. This is what. This yeah. is what our real God does. So I, I've loved this part of the story so far. A real God who promises blessing and who takes care of the covenant all on his own. And I think, yeah, I look forward to more things we're going to talk about with Abram's life as we continue on in the next few episodes. But I think that's about all the time we have for today. So why don't you remind everyone about subscribing and all of that, and then we can sign off. All right. Well, I think um, you're, you can subscribe to Real People, Real God on iTunes, Android, or Stitcher on my Friday blog at www.misuandrews.com slash blog. And the notes for today's podcast are also available on that blog. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to um, get a copy of those, you're welcome to do that. Also, uh, you can post comments or questions for Lindsay or me on the blog as well. 
And if you have questions for one of us specifically, please just indicate the name and we'd love to reply. Yeah, sounds good. So come back and join us again next time, everyone. And remember, be real. Thanks for listening to Real People, Real God. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We rely on real people to provide feedback and our real God to provide listeners.